0: The main aim of law is to serve justice and not truth. Hmm.
1: Hey, everyone! I feel like there's a lot of people here I haven't seen for a while, and that just yeah. that makes me feel so good to see you. It's just great. So, welcome, everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this band. I mean, every- Mercy Machine.
2: Yeah, yeah, we are. Um- Delighted to have Angie singing with us tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we have Paul sitting in
0: on piano. Thank you so much for joining us. Paul. Yeah. Everybody's here. Um, announcements.
1: Yeah, I want to let everyone know that I have a new book out. It came out on Tuesday. Yeah. And yeah, really good. We're going to celebrate that uh, December 5th. I think that's two Sundays from now. And uh, the book is coming out with an Argentinian publisher, In Spanish and English, so we're going to have Argentinian wine, empanadas from Belludo, music from Angel, a little bit of reading, and of course books to buy and be signed. Good Christmas presents. So everyone's welcome December 5th after church here at House
0: of Mercy. It's gonna be a lot of. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I want to just apologize, to, you know, in front of everyone. I did not mean to go like this to you. <laughs> <laughs> I Somehow
1: I didn't I, I, even notice. Okay, like, good. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I didn't. It was like, uh, yeah.
1: Seemed in character. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. I would like to apologize in front of everyone for my character, because um, <laughs> I guess I'm a guy who goes like this. Um, don't agree so readily. Hey. Oops. Um, so let me just tell you this. Um, our, You know, Jack, our sound man, just uh, he texted me right shortly before the service saying he was exposed to COVID, so he cannot come. So um, I'm running the sound, too. So um, if I'm running around here and I seem a little bit crazy, that's why. But also, if you need a reservation, I can do that for you, too. <laughs> so just let me know. I, can, I, got, I got it all. going on. All right. Um, oh, speaking of reservations, I don't know if you want to come to this book study or not, but uh, it's going to be good. Uh, this is In Search of Radical Theology, John Caputo. It is uh, Tuesdays, um, is starting the second week of December uh, through the first week of February. It's a fantastic book. It's kind of a, a theological, uh, what, Genius? Light, yeah, light to us or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about something else. <laughs> Anderson for five? Come okay. <laughs> <laughs> on, I gotta do. All right, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that
1: book study is gonna do, be great. Right. Should yeah. they contact you? Oh,
0: yeah, contact me. Is that right.
1: This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Yes. Uh, join me in the prayer of invocation. Let's pray. God of mercy, help us listen for you, knowing you are here somewhere amidst the clatter and roar of this unsettling season in the life of the world at the end of November. Find us and remind us to love. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's pass the sign of peace in a health-conscious manner. Make it apparent somehow that peace is possible. If you come to bring it, it must be. Not suppression of dissent or acceptance of oppression, but some sort of profound peace, loved wrapped in mercy peace. Help us know where to look, how to breathe, what trail to walk where. Make it apparent and desirable to Democrats and Republicans, Joss Hawley and AOC. Palestinians and Israelites, people who like guns and people who don't. Surely we are capable of some semblance of kindness towards each other, even when we don't see the world the same way. Or if we are not, help us, so that peace might be possible, so that violence is not inevitable. Help us be creative rather than destructive. God, in your mercy, But we do pray for justice as well. Though we recognize it might be difficult for the white and the wealthy and the privileged to give up power for justice. We pray for black and brown and indigenous people. We pray for those who have rarely experienced much that feels like justice. We pray that it will roll down like water, refreshing and cleansing. God in your mercy, God of mercy, help us to cultivate gratitude however we can for food and water, wine and chocolate, for skin and air and dirt and life. Help us be grateful for our relationships, even the ones that are hard. Help us be grateful that we can walk and talk if we can. Help us be grateful. Though it can get very dark sometimes, though we do in fact suffer, we need you to bathe us in grace that we might access the gratitude. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, help House of Mercy as we try to bear witness to you, to bear witness to truth, even if it is a bit over our heads and beyond our grasp. God, in your mercy. We pray that you will heal those who are sick. We pray for John Carney's continued healing, we pray for Maria, we pray for all those who are grieving, help bring us all to some peace. God, in your mercy, as we pause for silence, help us bring to mind what we're grateful for, what we fear, what we are sorry for, and remember that we are held by you. Hear our prayers as we pause for silence. You lavish us with love. Help us to feel it. Amen. The
3: scripture reading for this evening is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Pilate asked him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of the Lord.
0: Trials are supposed to be about finding out what happened, and meeting out justice. In Jesus' trial, that we just heard Phyllis read, neither the accuser nor the judge seem to care about the truth at all. The judge scorns the very notion of the truth. Pilate says, what is truth? He asks, clearly uninterested in any answer. And he leaves the scene of the dialogue. For both the accusers and the judge, the truth is irrelevant because it works at cross purposes to their hold on power. The only truth they recognize is this truth of power. It was the accused, Jesus, who raises the issue of truth by subtly reminding the judge of his highest obligation to find out the truth. This Sunday on the church calendar carries the title, Christ the King Sunday. It always comes at the end of the church year. Next Sunday, we start the new church year with the Advent season, four weeks, looking forward to Christmas, the incarnation of God, the Redeemer of all creation, born as a helpless infant. But first, got to get through the Christ the King. Sunday. I don't know what, to what extent uh, the authors of the church year named Christ the King Sunday ironically. I mean, they certainly had to be aware of the ironic potential when they chose this reading in John. It's the story of Jesus being sentenced to death and rejected by the people. The characters in the story seem to be throwing this title around ironically as well king of the jews the jewish religious leaders they arrest jesus and their first charge is that uh, out of blasphemy saying that he claimed to be one that he and god were one but they knew that the romans wouldn't care at all if they claimed that, that you know jesus claimed to be equal with the god of the jews So they reported to the Roman authorities that Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews because that was a claim that would really get Rome's attention. It's a political title, king of the Jews. Caesar is king of the Jews. Caesar is king of all the people in his empire. His power is absolute and cannot be challenged. The crime carries a death sentence, and the religious leaders want Jesus dead. In preparing for this Sunday, I found no irony in the stated themes and suggested hymns for Christ the King Sunday throughout the world. They said the theme should be uh, to uh, laud the sacred king, To celebrate uh, the power and authority of Jesus. Jesus' kingship. They suggest we sing hymns all laud and glory and honor. Hail the power of Jesus' name. Crown him with many crowns. Oh, worship the king. Rejoice, the Lord is king. It's baffling to me that this is still a thing. On the last Sunday of the church year, the church worldwide is meant to celebrate the universal kingship of Jesus the Messiah, to place on him the many crowns, the name above all names, for the name above all names of political power. King, Caesar, Tsar. I mean, how can we read this text here and think that the title King is a positive here, that John is writing and meaning us to take away that this king, this political title, is one that Jesus desires, deserves, or that the gospel has any interest in. How can we have lived through the last year, or two years, four years, and thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if the Messiah was just like a powerful autocrat who thought they could do no wrong, who seemed to display little care or concern from anyone, for anyone? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I printed the sermon out twice and didn't number the pages. So I have this quote here. I like it. I don't know where I was going to go in. A world without love is a world governed by rigid contracts and inexorable duties a world in which, God forbid, the lawyers run everything. The mark of really loving someone, though, or something, is unconditionally, unconditionality and excess, engagement and commitment, fire and passion. That's a quote from John Caputo from the book study uh, that we're going to be starting here. I guess why I've had one sermon and then... I was looking at it today and I realized, wait a minute. This isn't just about the whole king thing. This is actually Jesus. This is a a trial. And I was just like so like mad and heartbroken seeing the results of this trial from this last week. One where this man was found, uh, not guilty. I don't know, innocent. One where it seemed like there was no interest in any kind of truth. Justice, according to the law, for sure. I guess, I mean, that's how it came out. But it seems like this truth and this justice maybe don't walk hand in hand. So, truth here they arrest Jesus and they take him before Pilate and Pilate first of all is wondering why he's even there what did he do and he so he asked Jesus they they say that you uh, he asked him are you the king of the Jews and Jesus responds, uh, You say that I am. He doesn't claim the title for himself. And Pilate's like, I don't say that you are. Your chief priests, your people brought you in here and accused you of making this claim and turned you over to us. What did you do? Because clearly you are no threat. To Rome. Nobody's going to confuse you with a king or uh, a challenge to Caesar in any way. What did you do to get your people to turn against you? While you're no threat to us, it seems like you're somehow a threat to them. So I'm just asking you, are, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, You're right, I'm no threat to Rome. To Rome's kingdom because my kingdom is not the kind of kingdom that you're dealing with. Not the kind of kingdom in which these religious leaders are dealing with. It's not the king of this world. I didn't have any armies come and fight to fight you. I didn't have even when the religious leaders came to arrest me I did not defend myself. But all uh, Pilate heard was like his kingdom is somewhere else. So he's saying, so he says, so you're saying you might you're some kind of a king. So this is where Jesus he says Jesus says, "No, you are. I'll tell you what I am. I was born to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice." Pilate, you know, he's uh he's an educated man. I mean, he thinks this is practically like some freshman philosophy student. He's like, truth? What is truth? (laughs) He says it so dismissively. But then Pilate thinks, truth, okay. Well, the truth is, I am tasked with eliminating threats to Rome and keeping the peace of Rome. This guy is for sure no threat, but these religious leaders really want him dead. So let me see what the truth is and Pilate sticks his head out to the people and sees the people gathered out there and he dresses the crowd and he calls out hey how about I release this king of the Jews guy and the crowd erupts and screams kill him kill him release for us Barabbas so Pilate thinks there's the truth that feels true to me. He should be put to death. It seems like it feels true to all them. Jesus is a threat to the peace of Rome. So it's, he goes with execution. This is like some kind of post-truth before we even had that kind of term where you stick your head out, and look around, gauge the reaction before you decide what's true. It's like even more pragmatic though than the just provocative post-truth. It's a, some kind of redefining of truth based on your desired outcomes or the desired outcomes of those in power. That seems recognizable. But Rome, of course, is not a democracy like ours. When you have absolute power, and you have absolute power to declare the truth, then the truth is as you define it. Truth, according to the philosophers, the Roman philosophers, in Latin is veritas. It means a factual Representation of reality. And reality reality is defined by those in power. Dictators can dictate what is real. When Jesus is talking to Pilate, when Jesus tells him that he he has no interest in challenging the Roman kingdom, when he says he has no interest in power, but that he has come to bear witness to the truth. Jesus is not even trying to challenge the Roman idea of right or wrong, of what is just or unjust under Roman law. Jesus is not interested in addressing any Roman idea at all. When Jesus says, I have come to bear witness to the truth, he's not referring to the Roman understanding of truth, factual representation of reality. Jesus is using truth in the Hebrew sense. In Hebrew, the word for truth is emeth. And it means something like God's faithfulness. But in a deeply relational way. It's a kind of knowing that's rooted in relationship with God. This is what Jesus has come to bear witness to. It's a relationship with the Creator's faithfulness to the creation. When Jesus is saying to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, my kingdom looks beyond Rome or Jerusalem or any world power. He says, I have come to bear witness to something beyond this, beyond the laws, beyond your truth, beyond the lies or beyond your pretenses of power. All that will happen. The world will turn. Dictators will rise and fall. I'm interested in this truth that is born of the relationship that the Creator has with the creation. And this is what I've come to bear witness to. I've come to proclaim God's faithfulness which draws us all in. The truth it's. It's much more than a black-and-white declaration. It's a, it's a coaxing into a relationship with the one who loves us. It steps over the machinations of the power games, looks beyond them. We're never going to find truth in the outcome of these trials. Not this kind of truth. And we're never gonna find the solution that will heal us and prevent these crimes from happening with lawyers in the justice system. The only way to heal these relationships And to heal this creation is through this truth deeply relational to understand what we've received and to live out that same kind of truth with our neighbors, those people in our lives and those people who pass through them. This says page 10, and it's on like one, I think that's it.
1: the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at five. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad.